0: Hey everyone, um, do you have life insurance? If not, it's probably something you should be thinking about because um, it's a really important topic and something people often overlook. But you know, one of the things I found when I went in to get life insurance is I started looking at all the stuff that was covered and how much I was getting charged for life insurance. And it made me start to wonder whether the amount I was paying for my life insurance was subsidising unhealthy lifestyles of the average person around me. And now there's this really cool insurance broker in America called Health IQ but if you're one of our American listeners, I definitely reckon you should check out. So Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, like listeners for That Paleo Show. That includes runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and more. With the majority of Health IQ customers saving between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, which is amazing. So if you're an American listener, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward paleo. Or mention the promo code PALEO when you talk to a Health IQ agent. TheWellnessCouch.com. Streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Angela Mavridis, Angela is a holistic nutritionist. Um, as a kid in her grandmother's kitchen, being a, a good uh, Greek girl, obviously she discovered the nurturing power of real foods. Today, she seeks and sources one hundred percent organic, high-quality proteins for her company, Tribali Foods, focusing on grass-fed meats, which we'll talk about, um, grass-finished beef, free-range chicken, pasture-raised pork, wild-caught seafood. Um, creating these amazing burgers for people to be able to have easily in their own homes. And she aims to make people healthier one meal at a time. So welcome to the show, Angela.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on board, Angela. I'd love to discuss and discover how you got into this business and your journey in uh, studying as a nutritionist and uh, I read a little bit about the course you went through and that sounded really cool as well. But before we get into all those different bits and pieces, starting from the start about how you developed this love of cooking and it sounds like your grandma, what do you call your grandma in in Greek? Do you ever?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah, yeah had obviously a big influence on you. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: She did. Um, and my journey is what I call from paleo to confusion and then back again. <laughs> I, um, I was born in Greece and I actually spent most of my summers uh, up and through adolescence with grandma on a fishing village down by the water where uh, she would send me into the village to pretty much buy what we were going to eat that day. And we never knew what was on the menu until I came home with what was freshly grown or caught or or fished that day and um, she would cook from that and it was just such holistic whole real food cuisine with of course the mediterranean greek flair and meanwhile back in the states my dad owned and operated a hamburger fast food drive through business <laughs> and so every time i know ironic and every time i would come back i would just feel the digestive distress i and acne and all sorts of issues i was having but then when i would go back to greece in the summertime and maybe it was you know 6 hours in the on the beach or just eating the wholesome food, but I felt like I was thriving when I was there. And this was at a young age. So I, was, I was noticing a difference between winters in the US and summers in Greece. And at the, at the age of 13, in a quest for the healthiest way of eating, I decided to become a vegetarian. And ironic, you know, being a vegetarian in a Greek h- household in a hamburger fast food restaurant, I was just the black sheep of the family. <laughs> like, why do you not eat meat? And But it was really a quest for just how should I eat and what's the healthiest way? And so I went through the next 20, 30 years of um, doing, I think, what everybody did in the 80s and 90s is the low-fat um vegetarianism or veganism, or I even did raw food for about a week and that just (laughs) didn't work well. But, um, you know, we, we didn't really back then, I think, know as much. I knew then what I know now I'd be so, so much better off, but I didn't really care or know to turn the ingredients over of any packaged food and really read the labels, um, or identify what the source was, and a lot of the cooking. Although we cooked healthfully at home, um, there were a lot of times that we were eating, you know, hamburgers, fries, and a shake more often than not, or fast food, or drive-through, or quick and easy. And and trying to be a vegetarian, I ended up going to the frozen section, especially when I went to college. The frozen section of the markets and buying those veggie patties, you know, that had that were made with quinoa or mushrooms and have so many flavors to them. And those were my quick, easy source of protein, along with protein powders, protein supplements, protein bars, protein shakes, just anything to make sure I was getting adequate protein to fuel my fitness. I was a runner a short time in my life. I um, I ran a few marathons. I was a cyclist. I was a CrossFitter. I lifted weights. So I was always concerned with body composition and how am I getting those right grams of protein and fueling my body correctly. Um, and I'll tell you, that worked for a while until it it just didn't work anymore. I think all those supplemental protein powders and, and shakes really did a number on my digestive system. And I think, you know, 30 years of that, I realized, this isn't working anymore, and I've got to change the way I'm fueling my fitness, and I'm not feeling right eating this way anymore. So that's when I I jumped over to the other side. I became a recovering vegetarian and decided to try meat for the first time four years ago, but I was very picky, so I had read enough to know, and I had studied nutrition in the meantime, so I had read enough to know that if you're going to eat meat, um, you really ought to eat it, high-quality And from humanely raised animals that have been fed well and treated well. And it makes a difference. So, you know, I was boycotting CAFO meat and industrial meats. um, So I definitely wanted to try something that was of the highest quality. Um, And I say, you know, it's like the Goldilocks effect. You don't need too much. You don't need too little. You need the right amount from the right source. So I wanted to try a grass-fed and finished steak about four years ago. And I haven't looked back since.
0: Nice. Well, it's such a great story, Angela, and there's so many bits along that story I want to ask you about. Uh, First question I want to ask you, when you went to visit your Yaya in Greece, whereabouts were you in Greece?
1: Oh, was such a small uh, fishing village. I don't think anybody would know it, but it's off the Peloponnese. Yeah, okay. Um, And it's called Sassopo, which actually, if you translate it, is Little Fishing Village. Nice. And our house was right on the water. I mean, the high tide would actually come into the backyard. That's how much on the water this house was. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. And she
1: would send me in every day. And it was funny because... You know, we've already always talked about how gluten is so different in Europe. I remember getting a loaf of bread from the bakery that was freshly baked and eating half of it on the way back. By the time I'd get back to the house, I ate half the loaf. But that didn't bother me for some reason. The, mm. the grains and the gluten and the way they were made mm. back then in the 80s, it was just it was a lot purer and a lot easier to digest.
0: Oh, it sounds like a beautiful spot. It kind of reminds me of one of my favourite stories, which is the parable of the Mexican fisherman. And uh, I think I've shared this on the, the on this show before, so I won't go into it. But if you haven't uh, if you haven't read about it, how, just Google the parable of the Mexican fisherman. It's a great little story. Um, but. Um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that that time in Greece because um, you know some of my good friends uh, Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce from one of our other podcast shows One Hundred Not Out um, they run a retreat where they go to Ikaria in Greece and my partner Stephanie uh, has gone along to that with them and and she came back from that just absolutely loving exploring the Blue Zone over there and the lifestyle of all these people that live to a hundred and and I think it's just fascinating that um, you know this. I guess, this traditional wisdom, and and one of my other dear friends, Cindy O'Meara, talks about this a lot, but this traditional wisdom that traditionally would have been handed down from generation to generation of just how to go about eating real food and seasonal food and, and cooking and preparing those grains in a way that makes them more palatable for the body. You know, it's such a natural way of, of learning and discovering about ourselves and our environment and our food that that's just so lost. I mean, the, the contrast between that and, you know, your fast food uh, making father is, is just so huge. I mean, th- do you think that's a right. really important part of the healing, I guess, effect of that time in Greece—you know, the the traditional wisdoms—not just about food, but around how they live their lives and how they spent their time and all those other things as well.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely! I couldn't agree with you more. And it was—it was nutrition from the land and the sea, but it's also your outdoors, your your physical activity. There's movement, there's labor, there's work that you're doing, which all um, coincides. I mean, even in in Greece, there's nap time and siesta in the middle of the day. So sleep is very important. Um, Outdoor sunshine is important. Community is important. I think all those play together for what we call now a, a primal or paleolithic, you know, lifestyle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know one of the things, and and the the two boys are going back to uh, Ikaria in a couple of months' time as well. So if people are interested in that trip, they should check out 100 Not Out but uh, I know one of the things the boys told me when they got back was that one of the things they did when they were over in a was went for a run um, and they said that locals found it hilarious that they went for a run because you know the locals <laughs> just have such active naturally active lifestyles where they you know they go and collect their food from the markets and they carry it back and they yeah. you know they dance into the evening and they you know they're just so naturally active that they sort of you know they spoke to them about going for a run and they were like well what are you running from like I don't get it
1: oh my gosh Brad that's so funny because- Because I, as a teenager and in my 20s, I would still go back to this place. And I was a jogger then, you know, I was training for marathons and Mm. I would go running. And the people in the village who knew me from a little girl, they're like, is is someone chasing her? I mean, why (laughs) is she running? So you're right. I mean, their lifestyle is just conducive to physical activity, which is, you know, the, the what we call the squat and the bending mm-hmm. at the knees. These are just natural movements that they do regularly. Swimming is just, uh, you know, something that they do regularly in the summertime. And all this activity is just normal motion. And I think um, all that incorporated into the lifestyle gives you that balance along with the proper nutrition from foods from the land and the sea that you could prepare in your home and you know the ingredients play such an important role on health there. And and it is remarkable the blue zones. Um, I, I haven't been to Ikaria, but I've been to other parts of Greece and and up in the villages where people, you know, pick their own food or it's it's caught that day and it's prepared naturally in your kitchen. And I love that way of eating. And you know, I learned some cooking like that from grandma. It was, it was a joy to be in the kitchen with her because there were no recipe books. There were no, nothing she followed. It was up, all up in her head. But everything was delicious and everything was prepared with love and everything was prepared from traditional, you know, recipes that have been passed down. That she just knew and has, you know, then showed us and passed down, to, you know, to other generations as well. So that, that's a little bit of the inspiration that came about with Tribali
0: yeah, and so I'm guessing then that the contrast between that and then what was happening when you were home in America uh combined with I guess your own health journey and these experiences that you'd experienced is what motivated you to want to go and study nutrition? Uh,
1: exactly, exactly. Um and I you know, I was I went through a state like I said, paleo to confusion and then back again, a confusion state of let me try this and let me try that and what's working for me and you know, your body responds to different foods at different times differently. I mean, what worked for me in my 20s wasn't exactly working in my 30s and isn't working now. So, you know, you kind of have to tweak and be an experiment of an N equals one, really, mm-hmm. and find the right eating protocol that works for you for your um your goals, you know, what are you trying to attain? I mean, I'm not an athlete anymore and I'm not doing those marathons or bike rides. Um, and I've got, you know, hormonal imbalances. So everything needs to, you have to tweak it, but you have to embark on that journey to start experimenting with yourself. And I encourage everyone to do that, is to start on their own personal health journey. Because if you leave it just to eating whatever and doing whatever conventional medicine, masks, you know, all your symptoms, you're never going to feel a hundred percent and feel the best way you can. And so in that journey of mine, I did think, you know, I've got to believe what our Greek philosopher Hippocrates said that let food be thy medicine, let medicine be thy food. I mean, food could either be your poison or it could be your, um, you know, your medicine to make you, to make you feel amazing. So in studying nutrition, I realized that, uh, I ought to give meat a chance and I ought to see if by eating and incorporating a little amount from high quality into my diet, it can, it can have an effect on me. And it did. And so, um, you know, I have to believe there's other people out there that do enjoy eating meat, fish, poultry, lamb, but, you know, have the same high standards that I do.
0: Yeah, and there are, and it's becoming more and more popular, um, and we'll talk about that because obviously, uh, you know, the quality of the ingredients is really important. But before we get to that, I'd love to talk a bit about your nutritional study because just from the quick bits that I read, it seemed like the place you went to study was really cool in terms of what they offered in terms of the education around, I guess, both the Um, you know, conventional wisdom around uh, eating, um, at least our modern conventional wisdom around eating in terms of, you know, what's recommended by the dietitians and all those sort of things, but also encountering all the different approaches in terms of paleo and primal and vegan and vegetarian and low fat and high carb and, uh, you know, all of those other options that are out there. So tell us a little bit about where you went and, and how your study was.
1: So it was the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and it's in New York. And what I liked about this institution is they really highlighted the bio individuality of a said diet. And and even when I was coaching clients one-on-one, I, I hate to prescribe a diet. And what, what might be right for me may not be right for one of my clients that I'm that I'm helping clean up the way they eat. So the, the institute really helped me understand that each eating protocol has its advantages and disadvantages and may work for one person, but may not work for another person. So it really is, like I mentioned, is embarking on this journey um, and helping you know a client or yourself or a family member find out what foods love you Um, I mean, what foods you love and what foods love you back. I mean, you know, you may love a whole array of foods, but they might not work for you. And you'll never know until you do a little bit of elimination and reintroduction. I mean, you know, one step back, one step forward, one step back, really introducing and then eliminating, introducing. And that kind of gives you a plate of what works well for you you right now. Um, And that's what I liked about this program. I think I thought it was very thorough um, with all the diet protocols, and they didn't sway one way or the other. And, um, you know, I, I don't like swaying one way or another, either. But I will say that having and starting a plate from real food is where I like to begin. But again, you know, whenever I do work with someone one on one, it's it's meeting them where they're at. And what I found with a lot of my customers is um, I found that, that so many people either didn't have time to prepare their, all, their own food or didn't know how. And I thought, gosh, you know, I have three little kids. The, the one thing I'm going to do before I send them off to college is make sure they know how to prepare at least 10 meals on their own. Nice. Because I think it's such an important tool to have. And so many people that are living this fast paced lifestyle. Um, and I'm not talking, you know, families that come together and eat at the dinner table, I'm talking maybe individuals or divorcees or singles or just. People that are just a little bit more on the fast track that um, tend to tell me I don't know how to cook and I don't have time to cook. So what do I eat? So, you know, that's that's I love my dad's restaurant, but I'm not sending people to fast food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, there's, there's better alternatives, and we'll talk about those in a bit. But uh, I'm fascinated. Then um, you know, obviously, talking about this, you know, bio individuality approach and figuring out what works for you. Um, tell us a little bit about how that went for you in terms of what was it that made you decide that you were going to try meat again, and, and how did it go when you did it?
1: Yeah, it was funny because my my brothers were all in shock. I have two brothers that are in the restaurant business. They've taken over Dad's business and expanded it. And they thought, "Oh my gosh, you don't even have the digestive enzymes to to eat meat." <laughs> and they were sort of standing by to see what was going to happen. But I tell you, I think so many years of the protein supplement stuff that I was doing, and I was, I sort of, I think I was over consuming. Uh, shakes protein powders protein bars which are high carb and sugar mm. yes they have some grams of protein but you're getting so much other junk in there that you really don't need um I think it just did a little number on my digestive system so I you know I was having some IBS problems I probably had leaky gut um I was eating grains at the time and legumes now I'm not so by incorporating meat I was feeling just much more satiated and satisfied. It was, it was a weird feeling like I should have been eating this way the whole time. Why didn't I? And again, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not eating beef for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And during this whole time of being a vegetarian, I should say I was more of a pescatarian because I was eating fish. I mean, you can't live in a Greek fish (laughs) village and not eat fish. So I was eating fish, but um, now I've incorporated venison and lamb and duck and uh pastured pork and free-range chicken and grass-fed beef and bison. I mean, I've, you know, there's such a plethora of different kinds of animal proteins that all you need is a little. You know, I do three or four ounces per meal and, and I rotate them in and I don't have to have them at every meal. Um, but it gave me more of a satisfactory, satiated feeling. Uh, and I think that's helped. And plus the other sort of swing swinging of the pendulum, if you will, is I'm no longer so fearful of fat. I think we've, uh, you know, a lot of us have come that way with a keto diet being so high profile right now, is that, you know, you shouldn't fear fat, you should just be picky about what fat you're eating, you know, and, and make sure that that too is coming from high quality, non industrial oils and and good, you know, avocado and olives and stuff like that. So it's it's a much better diet and a much better way of eating. And I feel, you know, I don't feel hungry all the time. Let's just say that.
0: Did you know that physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes? Well, you probably did because well, you're one of my smart listeners on that paleo show. But that's compared to people who are inactive do you think it makes sense then that if you're physically active, you should pay less for your life insurance? Health IQ thinks so. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health conscious life. So if you're in the United States, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash Or mention the promo code Palio when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Well, you you touched a bit on the supplements and the bars and the shakes and all that sort of stuff, and I think you know for a lot of people that's I guess maybe sometimes a first step towards trying to get themselves a bit more satiated and trying to change their way of eating. But as you said, many of them are uh, you know aren't quite what they're cracked up to be when you actually look closely at the ingredients, both in terms of. Mm-hmm the nutrient profile and the and the you know macronutrient profile but also in terms of the micronutrients and the you know some of the ingredients that are in there that aren't so natural and and you know obviously there are good ones and bad ones and we've certainly interviewed people on these shows who make great you know more natural alternatives to add protein in but what's your take on that you know even those sort of i guess better brands with better quality nutrients of you know the the Decision between taking in a you know a bar a shake or a, or a um, you know a supplement versus getting it from real food.
1: Right, if you can get it from real food, it's so much better. I mean, there might be a place for those. I'm not saying there's not, but for me, I think I had just overdone it so much that that once I just started getting my protein from animal sources, I um, I just felt so much better and uh, I performed better. My mood was, but there was just a lot of health benefits. And I think, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I was doing vegetarianism the correct way. I think, you know, I, I had some deficiencies that over a long period of time started, um, you know, having some breakdown and malfunctions in the body. Um, and they're all coming out now. So I'm trying to make up for all the years of not eating meat. I think I'm eating more now than than, you know, just to make up for it. But um, I'm feeling a lot better, you know, my B12 and vitamin A and K, all that that I'm getting from animal sources now is just, um, it makes a difference. Great. Absolutely.
0: And, and you've spoken about fat and protein and the importance of both of those. And, you know, it's, as you said, such a hot topic at the moment with so many people doing keto and, and various versions of a keto diet and paleo and primal and all those sort of things that, you know, a lot of people... Um, have their own different ideas around fat and protein and carbohydrates and what the appropriate ratios are and you know whether having too much protein is not necessarily a good idea if you're trying to go keto and all those sort of ideas so what's your take on it like where do you sit in terms of you know fat protein carbohydrate ratios do you measure it do you have an idea or do you just let it flow more naturally and uh, and what's your take on I guess the fat versus protein idea in terms of what's best to fuel you and satiate you
1: yeah, I think it's always a good idea to take two weeks and measure. I think, you know, measure your food, measure your grams so that you get an idea of where you fall. And then um, and then assessing how you feel from there and adjusting accordingly. I'm not one to be a slave to the scale or a slave to the grams of anything, but um, I think giving yourself a two-week snapshot to see how I'm eating, and you'd be surprised how many people have no idea how many grams of anything is in anywhere, uh, you know? So even starting on that education piece, I think is good for everyone. Um, the, where I fall is, you know, I have a simple formula. I I choose a piece of protein, three to four ounces. I surround my place plate with produce and I sprinkle it with healthy fats, whether that's, you know, vegetables grilled in a little olive oil or a salad with avocado and some dressing or, you know, a combination of anything, but it's usually protein plus produce plus healthy fat. And I keep it simple because I, you know, I'm, I'm busy too. And I love the fast paced and I don't always have time to meal prep. And I, I mean, I do because I have three kids, but the times I don't, I have to keep it simple. And I like that formula. It just helps me build my plate. So it's more of a balance. Um, and I definitely think that cutting out sugars and high excessive carbs from, you know, garbage, <laughs> junk food, processed foods is definitely something everybody needs to do. Um, I don't think any diet out there will tell you consume more sugar and processed foods. I think those need to be, you know, if not eliminated, then condensed significantly in anybody's diet. But now whether you have a little bit more protein, a little bit more fat, I mean, that's just something you need to play with according to your goals and according to your why and according to, you know, how athletic you are too. I mean, I definitely... I feel like I consumed a lot more food when I was doing 45 mile bike rides, as opposed to sitting in front of the computer for eight hours these days. So it's just a matter of my daily activity, my goal and, and you know, how I'm feeling right now. And right now at this age, I'm trying to balance my hormones. So, you know, I'm, I'm eating in a certain way to make sure that I'm supporting those efforts.
0: Great. And and that fits in perfectly then to moving on to talking about tribali because tribali really is, you know, a great way for people to be able to simplify, you know, to be able to just get their quality proteins and fats into their meal um, in a way that just makes it easier. And uh, and as you said, you know, if if you are time poor, to be able to just whip something up either for yourself or for the family, which isn't going to take you a whole bunch of time. So... Tell us a little bit about how Tribali came about. What made you decide to start and, and how did you start with Tribali?
1: Yeah, okay, so that's an interesting journey too. Um, well, what was interesting to me and so ironic as a nutritionist is that some people will spend more money on feeding their pets higher quality food than they feed themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, believe it or not, you know, um, so I'm helping those conscious carnivores who they're aware that, that they want to eat um, better quality food Meat, fish, and poultry, um, but they do want it in a convenient form because they are busy. Um, so I made I made these patties, which I season only with herbs, vegetables, um, uh, purees, and uh, herbs and spices. So there's nothing foreign in there. And and like I mentioned, I've got three little kids, and I want to make sure that each one of my kids can turn over that box and be able to read the ingredients, source the ingredients, and identify the ingredients. I mean, if there's anything in there they can't pronounce or know what it is, it's not going in my food. Um, so when I started eating meat again, I mean, I had these standards for myself. I said I wanted something tasty that's already prepared, that, that I can grab out of the freezer. They cook straight from frozen, so it makes my life easy. And, you know, they're They're what my version is now of what I used to have back when I was a vegetarian and grabbing those veggie patties and kind of throwing them on the grill, chopping up a big salad, and that was called lunch. That's that's pretty much what the need it fits. Now my kids will have it in between a bun and make their burgers, which is fine. They are a patty after all, but I presented them a little more. paleo style, if you will. I mean, they're on my box, they're with cauliflower rice or zucchini noodles, or just bunless burger, the way I like to eat them. Um, And they just make my life easier for for those days that, you know, I've come home from soccer at 630, and all three of them are looking at me going, what's for dinner? And I thought, oh, geez, okay, in 10 minutes, it'll be ready. Um, And they do make life easy.
0: Yeah. Perfect. I mean, it it just does sound perfect. I'm the same. I've got, you know, two little kids and, you know, busy at work and, you know, as much as I love to cook and on the weekends we spend more time and do, you know, some more complicated recipes and roasts and all those sort of things. You know, just having something you can throw on and then just, you know, have as a base to add the, you know, the fruit and the vegetables too, which often, you know, is easier to add in, um, just makes it such a simple way to, to really nourish the whole family, doesn't it?
1: Right. Right. And I found that people, that's where they get a little complicated. I mean, everyone knows how to chop a salad or grill some vegetables or roast some, you know, tubers. I mean, everybody can do that. It's the protein that gets a little, do I do a roast? Do I, do I grill steaks? Do I put a chicken in, you know, so I'm trying to make it just easy for when you haven't thought, or you haven't defrosted, or you haven't prepared, Um, but also a good, you know, effortless, tasty um, alternative to, you know, what your protein source might be. And, and for me, you know, it's important to have it transparent in ingredients and, and know my source of where my meat and chicken are coming from. Um, You know, and I vetted the farmers, I went up there, I made sure it's grass fed and finished. I wanted to see the animals, the humanely way they're treated, what they're fed. I mean, those were all important to me because, As we know, you know, CAFO and feedlot processed meats are just, uh, you know, are void of nutrients, void of antioxidants, void of the healthy fats. I mean, we want all these um, great benefits of grass-fed and finished beef um, that, that, you know, we thrive on.
0: Yeah, and we've certainly spoken about all of those things on the show previously. So if people were wanting to know more about, you know, the omega 3 ratios and the benefits of grass-fed and grass-finished, and what the difference is between grass-fed and grass-finished, you know, you can go back to previous episodes of that Paleo show and find out all that information, but suffice to say that, you know, animals living in their natural environment, fed their natural foods are naturally healthier than ones that are fed, you know, stuff that's not they're not designed to eat and, and artificial foods. Right. And, and we've certainly seen that all over the world um, in terms of, right. you know, everything from, you know, mad cow disease to gut health in the animals to, you know, all sorts of different changes that happen as a result of that. So, definitely the, the quality of the, the food that the cattle are eating definitely affects the quality of the food that ends up on your plate. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, it is a really important point. Um, so, obviously, Trebali foods... Um, People can go to tribalifoods.com and order these. Um, Are they available? They're obviously available for people in the States. Are they available for people elsewhere or is it just in America at this stage? Uh,
1: Just in America. I'm sorry. We haven't expanded from here. But we just opened our Amazon storefront as well. And we are sold uh, at Whole Foods in Southern California, Arizona, Nevada, and Hawaii. Uh, a few other independent markets are all on our locator page uh, in the West Coast, but we are—we've been asked to expand. People are wanting us all across the U.S., so we're slowly making our way to other states as well. And um, you never know—we might be in Australia sometime.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, you told me you love Australia, Angela, and and you know, Hi. and we're slowly expanding across the states too. So we have almost half of our audience now on that Paleo show are actually in the states, and people like yourself, I understand, Angela, tune in and, and listen in, which is very, very cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so obviously, if you want to find out more about Tribali Foods, they can head to the website, tribalifoods.com. Um, they can find you on Facebook at Tribali Foods, on Instagram at TribaliFoods. Foods, um, and also, you've got some new products coming out pretty soon as well, Angela. Do you want to quickly tell us about those?
1: We do, and we found that... Um you know, um, lots of our customers were wanting our patties, but in a smaller version for breakfast, because I think breakfast is another challenging meal of the day that you're rushed, you're out the door. How can you prepare something that's, you know, not your cereal or not your granola? Um, so we are making sliders or just two ounces instead of our four ounce patty in a small breakfast. So we have a chicken and apple that's coming out and a pork and sage and, um, eventually we'll have our other flavors as well that you saw on the website like moroccan lamb and greek pork southwest salmon so i'm all about taking any animal protein and flavoring it up with these globally inspired flavors and then bringing it in a convenient form to the consumer
0: perfect so yeah for everyone just go check that out Tribalifoods.com. thank you so much for coming on board today angela
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: It was an absolute pleasure. For everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. Health IQ are not just an insurer. They're a life insurance agency. They take the customer through the journey from when they submit their interest to starting an application going through the underwriting and to enforcing the policy as well. The policy is underwritten by one of their top partners who is an insurer. So if you're in the US, see if you qualify and get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paleo or mention the code Palio when you talk to your Health IQ agent.